Chapter 23 They were, after days of slow, exhausting movement on foot, finally in a place with a roof and cooked food and beds. They all felt, sitting in the corner of the small roadside inn, that it was very strange to look at the Ori going about their business in this place, talking, laughing, drinking. An ice-cold stream had provided a very much-needed cleansing of what felt like weeks of grime. Despite that, they were still aware of them smelling mostly like half-washed clothes and old nature in this house of beeswax, honey and fireplaces. Tarina told them that she had, in the panic of it all, turned around and seen Crow and the Diane leave through a portal. She had never seen one, but she was quite certain that was not exactly something you mistook for something else. The implications were staggering and exhausting. None of them felt like thinking about it for a long while. One of the evenings on the road, Lydikai had asked out loud why Crow did it. Taryn had hinted at understanding wanting to stick to what one had promised, but she managed to notice how that wasn't what Lady Kai wanted to hear. They had left that conversation for another, less bruised, time. Lady Kai took a small sip of the unfiltered ale. It was a pleasant sensation to be able to do something so simple as sit down and have a drink. But it was also as if the tension of the last weeks refused to allow entire relaxation. Everything around him seemed simultaneously keener and more distant, as if his sensory priorities had changed. He didn't know what that meant. He wished he could stop thinking just for a little while. He felt the small symbols Tyron had left along the healing holes in his body, like the ones she had once given Crow. They buzzed across his skin. Maybe they were complaining about his beverage of choice. He couldn't care less right now. His insides had finally stopped feeling like liquid sloshing around in a badly held-together sack, and he was determined to take advantage of it. They drank their ales in silence, watching the room, sometimes letting out a small hum. Thoughts passed among them. Unclear, unvoiced, borderless, shared. Draining her tankard, Taryn stood up. She squeezed Lidikai's hand, then Vesh's, gave them both a short nod, and walked off towards the stairs leading up to the in-rooms. They had been given three rooms, the innkeeper being busy, seeing three people, handing out three keys. The three of them were in a haze walking in here, Lidikai paid the glass marbles that he heard was the cost, didn't think. Took what was offered, needed to sit down. He and Vesh were looking at the keys on the table now. Suddenly Vesh took one of them, patted Lidikai on his hand, and went the same direction as Taryn. Lidikai remained sitting, feeling his eyes narrow, feeling his thoughts trying to come to some kind of conclusion. They wanted to run in familiar patterns, but he could also feel them getting lost, trying to do so. In the end, he couldn't decide on thinking about anything else than the incredibly exhilarating prospect 
of an actual bed. When Lady Kai had lain in said bed for only a few ten breaths, there was a careful knock on the door. No, he whispered to the sunset-coloured air in the room. Another knock, a little more assertive. With a groan, but happy that his insides still felt as if they were actually finding their correct places, he clawed himself up to sitting, then standing, and shuffled off to the door. Opening it, he was face to face with Vesh in the middle of attempting a third knock. The fogwalker's lifted hand fell to his side. Hello, he said, but didn't move. Didikai motioned for Vesh to come in, which he did quickly, moving with a speed a little uncommon for him. He was wringing his hands. What's wrong? Didikai said. Vesh stopped abruptly. Not, not wrong. He placed his hands on his thighs and sat down at the foot of the bed. Lidika was too tired to stop himself from openly admiring Vesh. He just stood there for a while, looking at the orange light reflecting off dark grey cheeks, at the now fairly messy, half-tied back locks cascading over one side of his broad shoulders, at the once well-maintained, now very battered, but still beautiful, patterned, high-collared silk jacket glittering in the light. His hands were still moving, picking at the wool of his dark trousers. He looked up at Lidikai, which caused the latter to smile a sigh, a content sigh, before joining Vesh on the bed. I do not expect anything from you, Vesh started. Lidikai could tell he was again making an effort to not have to correct himself. Words came slowly, carefully. I want to say something, however. I've thought... He sighed. I have thought too much. But words are important as well. This... He took Lady Kai's hand in his. A sharp heat like a burn met Vesh's skin and he flinched. Lady Kai sucked in some air, opened his mouth to apologize, but Vesh stopped him with an amused shake of the head. I was going to say something else, Vesh continued with a small laugh. But maybe I can rather say that this... He stroked the back of Lidikai's hand, tapping it to show it was part of the this. It's a little volatile. Our touches... Very direct, very... It is very out of time. He frowned, but as Lidikai gave him an affirmative nod, it softened. I'm still getting used to you understanding me, not... To you not finding me a nuisance, he said very softly. Lidikai felt a wave of warmth ripple through him. Words... Anchor us, you and me. I think we need that, Vesh continued. So I would like to say this. Once for me, and once for you. He took Lady Kai's hand and placed it on his chest, the trickle of the fount noticeable through the thin fabric of his jacket. 
Then he held up his own hand in a way that Lidikai understood meant he was asking for permission. Lidikai nodded, placing the warmth against his own chest, unable to stop the same response in his own fount as the one he felt in Vesh's. For me, Vesh said, Khandja krasha akher. Lidikai didn't know the words, but he could tell it was a phrase in Khilvir. He had only ever heard Vesh use small phrases, small as the ones in Kasani Lidikai kept inserting into his midrillic. But Khelvir was not like Kasani, not meticulously preserved and kept. He corrected his thought, corrected it with what he knew was true, what Taryn had had to teach him. Kasani had not been broken and sundered, like all the other languages in Runa. Whatever remained of this language, among so many other languages equally broken and eroded, had left this one phrase intact and carried meaning still. Or maybe again, a different meaning than it had before the Wendrit, perhaps. Or the same. Lidikai felt the trickle of electricity against his skin. It multiplied, going through his entire body at his own behest, bringing him back to infinitely more pleasant topics of engagement. And for you, Bash continued, Rapoarastin. They were words Lidikai had heard, but not with this intent. Another kind of magic. It was a meaning he had felt before, but not put into words himself, and it had not felt like this. The lingering waves of warmth rushed from him into Vesh, causing both of them to exhale simultaneously. Vesh ended his on a chuckle, pressing his lips to Lidikai's forehead. Vesh's kiss was warmth and safety, but Lidikai's reaction had a lot more edge to it. It didn't have words like those. His words were diluted, spread thin, had to recapture their potency some other time. In the same place that Vesh had kept words, like little pockets of eternity, Lidikai had kept his body, turned it into nothing but a narrow conduit, scared of every disturbance causing an inferno. But under Vesh's calm ripples, he was not afraid. And I hold yourself as well. Vesh's kiss had left a small opening and Lydica had thrown that door wide open as his mouth found the fogwalkers. He felt starved and his body ached in more ways than he bothered to count. As such, it was Lydica's turn to back away, leave space, breathe. One of his hands had wound some of Vesh's locks around it. The other rested on a convex curve of the fogwalker's stomach. All of Lidikai's blood had run to his okek and he could feel all the parts of him trying to heal, complaining wildly about it. Washing away some of the hesitation in Lidikai, much of Vesh's blood had visibly also run to similar parts. Vesh saw the fire mage look and rolled his eyes a little. Not blessed with okek, you can... you can hide, he said with a chuckle. Lidikai felt heat run from his lips all the way up to the tips of his long ears. His mind felt as if it leapt out of a hole to the surface of him, keen, eager, unfortunately volatile. 
His hands let go of everything that was flammable, only to realize, like so often, that most things are. They stayed a few thumbs away from touching anything. Vesh looked at him, nigh-black eyes, bare-faced in their question. Sorry, Vedikai exhaled. Too, um, too excited. His skin felt ready to melt off him, to be honest. I am prepared. That's not... Vesh raised his hand to meet Lady Kai's hovering hand. It was cool, almost cold. That feeling of dipping your hands in a pond. Not just for dousing. Also conductive, Vesh said with a small smirk. A shiver of an exhale ran over Lady Kai's lips. You said you did not mind. Vesh's hand trailing the protruding veins on Lydikai's burning skin, up his arm, firm as not to tickle. The fogwalker's electricity vibrated on the surface of his fingertips, not yet pronounced enough to cause a spark. Impressively controlled, contained, intoxicating. Lydikai was blessed if that was the word one chose, with Okek you could hide the effect on but only from people outside your body. Every heartbeat sent another pulse to the base of his spine. He laughed, surprised, head spinning. Vesh didn't misinterpret. He smiled, warmly. But his eyes turned sharp, a side of him Lydikai had only glimpsed before. If Vesh was prepared, Lydikai felt anything but, and he did not mind. An understatement, he panted out as Vesh's large hand found his neck, the back of it. Vesh's fingers stilled, rested on skin Lydikai couldn't understand, didn't burn. As soon as the actual electricity met the back of Lydikai's neck, Vesh's mouth was on his, as eager as he felt. But now he was unable to properly respond at the helpless mercy of shocks going through his entire body. Only a breath, a galvanic breath that stopped time. He moaned, surprising himself as Vesh leaned back from him. A tremble of aftershocks pushed him further towards the fogwalker. So, Vesh said. His voice was thick, his hand trailed both their bodies vaguely. If we continue, words or eyes? Typically, Lidikai always chose words. Lay it all out first, so that you didn't have to talk later. What okek everyone involved had, what precautions to take, what magic, what memories stuck in your body. Always fail to mention many things. Always manage to put things in too many ways, too few ways. Words that sound the same, but mean differently. Suffer your own mistakes in the action. Learn for next time. Learn which words you had to suffer for in the silence. He stood up, legs trembling slightly, which made him snort out a chuckle. Eyes. Unless you object. Vesh simply shook his head and stood up. They undressed. Lidikai completely forgot about having a body for a few breaths when he looked up and saw Vesh naked. Funnily enough, the fogwalker said slowly, Not easier to hide your effect on me in this state.
Lady Kai laughed as Vesh laughed, flattered, warmed like never before, useful in a way that felt like it only benefited himself because it was so unabashedly, undeniably good. But there was Vesh's body, reminding Lady Kai that the benefit was shared. I don't hold up to scrutiny. Lady Kai smirked at Vesh, scratching his scalp, unable to hold off the tangibility of how his bones protruded, how his skin screamed out the abuse it had suffered at his own hands. The sound of Vesh's feet across the wooden floor, the hand shorter than Lidikai he was, feeling as if it had been inverted. In that case, Vesh said quietly, this is when he realises he only saw a little, he only saw what he wanted to see, this is not what he wanted. May I... um... <laughs> Vesh interrupted himself with a short laugh. May I scrutinise? Was that supposed to be more of a question? Didikai looked up, forgetting the fear, into Vesh's smiling eyes. The eyes that wanted to be everywhere on his body, looking as if they couldn't, didn't want to, decide on any one place. I forgot. Worry, brushing over the fogwalker's face. Misinterpretation. You may. You definitely may. Another laugh shared that got broken into a trembling groan as Vesh's fingers brushed against Lady Kaisokek only to almost immediately slip inside him. Only hidden for so long. Lady Kai muttered into the shoulder he had slumped against at Vesh's touch. As another finger easily slipped inside, his hands grabbed onto the other shoulder. Vesh's sturdy neck, nose and mouth sought the space under the fogwalker's jaw, his broken, chained together long ear. Touches turned more frantic, wanting to make good on the promise of less words. But eyes, too, quickly became secondary. Fingers, tongues, teeth, okek, skin on skin looking to meld. Standing was impossible. The next time Lidikai caught his breath, he was sitting on top of Vesh on the bed, with the fogwalker buried deep inside himself, thinking he never wanted Vesh out of him. His hand was jammed between Vesh's stomach and the protruding part of his own okek, the one much smaller than Vesh's, but every brush against it almost sent him over the edge. Not yet. Make it last. Vesh looked up at him, breathing heavily. Didikai felt him twitch inside him and answered with a squeeze, causing Vesh to grit his teeth. A smile through another chuckle. One of his hands rested on Lidikai's hip, and his thumb brushed over some of the healing glyphs Taran had left. Over the thrum of pain that Lidikai ignored very intensely right now. A shadow of something far away from the present twisted into Vesh's eyebrows as he looked at the darker, bruised shades across Lidikai's skin. Hey, Lidikai said hoarsely, causing Vesh's gaze to snap up to him. I'm still here. We're still here. Vesh took Lidikai's hand and gently brought him down towards him. When the fire mage's face was close, Vesh brushed his cheek with his knuckles, kissed his forehead, his nose, his cheeks. His fingers dug into the mess of his hair, seemingly ignoring everything he found there but the possibility of being as close to Lidikai as he could. Then his kisses found Lidikai's mouth, 
and the fire mage didn't know how he did it, but he was sure time stopped. Not figuratively, not philosophically, he could swear that eternity continued to pass in that moment, from that time on. He would always be there. He was always right here. Taryn cumbersomely watched her reflection, twisting around her own spine to catch a glimpse of her own back. She almost wished it had stayed. It already felt so unreal, all of it. But it must have faded and left when they ended it. The unwanted hex brand hadn't even left a scar. The skin on her back looked exactly as it had before. The old founts and slightly newer hex brands, the ones she had chosen to have there, put there herself. They all remained intact, no longer cut through by the inconsiderate blue scar of the ender. It was good that it was gone. It was bad that it was already very hard to remember. Gone. Just like that. Crow turned, looking at their back as well, before letting down their shirt again. They hadn't expected that. They hadn't expected any of it. Perhaps it was actually gone, the entity that created it, not just the marks it had left. It was strange. It had been with them for so long, and now it already felt almost like a dream. Crow. Their name echoed up through the glass dome. There is a lot we must do, the Diane sighed sharply. You have no idea the administrative nightmare you put me in with all this. Not to mention Zarene. She fell silent, her furious arms falling with her voice to her sides, broken off from their intention. She watched them. She did nothing else. She almost didn't breathe, since they hadn't commanded her to. Crow looked around the sparsely furnished, enormous hall, the orange light of this year's prism coloured the entire place. A strangely dull monochrome glow through the ceiling and walls. Crow spotted the set of cloaks and gugles, shoes. They picked out the least conspicuous ones, got into them, before walking over to the Diane. You will not come after me. You will forget me. Understood. I will not come after you. I will forget you. I understand. The potency of their magic had not waned with the Ender's destruction. The Ender had given it to Crow, and it had remained. Perhaps that had not been its intention, but it was the effect. It was already difficult to remember a time when it felt different. Crow seemed to remember feeling shame at some point over this, when Anori, adorned with green light and dark eyes, asked them to help, begged them to. 
little glass bottles with tightly corked tops. It felt like a very long time ago. Having put their newfound strength to use, and intending to keep using it the way it felt intended, Crow walked out of the Diane's dome atop Eilutis into the brilliant orange of the year. The year they and Mirva had stepped into the apex the first time had been an indigo one. They had preferred that. Maybe we'll get to see that again. They whispered out into the effective clockwork of a city. Lon took stock. Interesting. She looked around her, looked at herself. She was still alive. None of the five ribs of Calopis were. Their armour had been the biggest hurdle, not their weapons. Also interesting. Most of the cuts on her were from the jagged edges of the crystal breaking under her hands. Hard to destroy, though not impossible, as they would have it seem. At least not any more. She had been right. Derry's magic had only hindered the ribs for a while, and whatever magic they employed to track Lon, it had kept intact. But looking at them now, looking at what she had been able to do to them, that had all been for the better. Lon had tried to taste them, to do what she had done with Rai, with the messenger, but the ribs held nothing that she needed. Now, when they were not moving anymore, it seemed what spark of life had held them had gone out, and with it, every illusion making them seem alive. They were twisted, gaunt things, skeleton almost breaking through the dry skin, dead people walking. She had heard of such things. Knew they were... At the very least, disapproved of in yellow medrills, apices. But she was from a big city in Bloodmoor. She knew better than to assume the people making the laws also kept to them. For what it was worth, Eilitis was just another place where people rose to power only to guard it so fiercely they forgot everything else. Leaving Derry had been a blessing. The mist mass had left the payment where they had promised. Job done. Lon didn't need a reminder of everything unstable about existence. Something she had realised, Derry was to her. A reminder of everything that could and did go wrong. It was only a matter of time before Runa was done with Derry. Lon knew that. Lon, however, something told her that she was only starting. This wasn't supposed to be the one that was real. This was supposed to be the one that was just a long, terrible nightmare. This was supposed to be the reality she would eventually claw her way out of. This was the wrong one, the bad one, the one where everything went to shit and it was her fault. Mirva could see that she was screaming. She was looking into the calm, still surface of a lake. She could see that she was screaming, but there was no sound. Or there was, but she didn't want to hear it. She didn't recognize the voice. 
She saw the dark brown freckles rise to the surface of her skin, that was the first thing. Then her hair started falling. She saw it, she tore at it, tore all of it off. When it was all just a tufty patchwork on her skull, new hair came in, shot out, fell onto her, a dark brown flood pushing away the blonde. She watched her eyes. They remained the same, but now she was looking out through them again. Every scar, every little angle she had kept as a reminder of what she could do, painfully recoiled, snapped back, changed their minds about existing without permission. And still, she remembered. She remembered everything. Every life taken, every mind shattered, every single thought that brought her to action. And she remembered the life before it. The blue-haired Ori who had walked by her side, who had known her. The blue-haired bird who had been so scared. The blue-haired bird who had found her again, only to be lost, only to be thrown away like so much discarded flesh. This wasn't the one that was supposed to be real. Finally, the scream broke through. Lidikai felt Vesha's hand nestle into his hair, stick there, stay with a content sigh. Skin recovering from touches, seeking warmth, yet another way to hold. They slept under the shared light of Manarim and Kensaro, the latter beginning its journey into sleep, leaving the night skies, soul Manarim's domain. They knew it as Manarim the Vigilant, last to make way for the moonless nights, first to come back to chase them away. But Manarim the Vigilant is also Manarim, the all-seeing, and Manarim saw the coming change. And Manarim the Vigilant, Manarim the last to leave, was first to hear the howl. The Prophecy of Colliding Light Manarim all-seeing, incredible infinity, you are body, experience, sensation. Under you are born, ori of change, minds of malleability, raw, unhindered power. Manarim, all-seeing, bottomless gravity, you are conduit and source, destructive existence. Kensaro, thought-maker, creative rift-seeper, you are art, nature, creation. Under you are born, ori of spark, fingers of flare, brilliant new solutions. 
Kensaro, thought maker, nature's ingenuity. You are life itself, creative revelation. Dalom, pattern gazer, harnessing overlay. You are efficacy, exploit, structure. Under you are born, ori of prosperity, desires of design, ways to make sense. Dalom, pattern gazer, third thought. You bring your own logic, inventive, binding. Light span, light spell, six nights of wandering, if mannerim or seeing has left us at last. Under you are born, ori of sun, timbers of twilight, shadowless intent. Light span, light spell, one night you will be what we long for, remember, when the moons collide and their light is combined. Harnessed and kept by the tide.